Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Um, And I do my audition, and I sing... Uh, not for the life of me from Thoroughly Modern Millie and what I did for love from a chorus line. And there was a teacher. His name is Rodney Hudson. He still teaches there today. And when I sang what I did for love, I like riffed a little. I'm a, I'm a riffer. I like to riff. And he stops me. He's like, stop. Why are we riffing? And I was like, <laughs> I had no answer. He's like, you're not Beyonce. Don't riff. I said, <laughs> okay, no worries. Hello, world, and welcome back to another episode of Thanks for Coming In. I'm your host, Jillian Clare. If this is your first time tuning in, this is a show where I speak to fellow actors about their journey in the industry, and I make them share a couple bad audition stories with me. If you're not already subscribed to the show, make sure to hit that subscribe button now. You can also check out our social media. Those links are in the show notes. We also have a Patreon where you can watch the entire interview and see our faces. Uh, If you like to see faces instead of listening, you can do that on the Patreon. (laughs) Before we get into things, I just want to give a big shout out to all my friends in the WGA who are currently on strike. Um, I was out on the picket lines with them on Wednesday. I'll be back next week. And as an actor and a director. I love you all and I am with you in this fight. Let's get into it. Today on the show we have Chanel Bailey. You may remember her from The Equalizer, The Good Fight, That Damn Michael Che, but she's currently starring in Greece: Rise of the Pink Ladies. And we had such a great conversation. I was so excited to talk to Chanel, so here's our conversation. And welcome to the show, Chanel. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. I'm so excited to talk to you today and about all the cool things that you're doing. Um, You have quite the career happening right now, which is super exciting. (laughs) Thank you. It's it's pretty crazy. Uh, (laughs) Um, Well, before we get into all of the stuff that you're doing, I love to go back and ask you what made you want to be an actor? Ooh, um, I think I wanted to be an actor because... I think I was already doing it and didn't know that there was a career that um, encapsulated everything that I loved to do. Like I was always putting on a show. I was always, you know, demanding some sort of attention (laughs) and and wanting to be seen in putting on a fashion show or acting out, you know, popular, full throttle, both costumes in my living room. And so um, it was always in me. And I think that it was really cool to find a profession that let me express all of the different sides of myself and... And I never found anything else like it, too. Mm. So funny. So when you did uh, your performances as a kid, was there like specific shows or like Disney movies that you were always doing? Yeah, I was very much a Disney kid. I was actually not a musical theater kid until high school, which is kind of funny. Like I know that wow. I know like people I'm from New York and people went to like stage door camp or like Mm -hmm. went to like 
I don't, what's that other that's there's another camp that all the kids go to and um I had no idea I never did any community theater nothing like that I just knew Disney Channel and so I was like I want to be a Disney kid and I was obsessed with like that so Raven Hannah Montana I was Chanel from the Cheetah Girls there was no debating it because I was the only girl on my block named Chanel I was like we're not doing this I yeah, it's mine. I am this person thank you very much thank you um yeah so it was very much Disney that was my catalog I wanted to be on where's we really plays I, I just wanted to do everything I was practicing my like little sign off. I was ready to go. (laughs) I feel like all of us growing up had our little I'm blah, blah, blah. And you're watching Disney Disney Channel with the wand. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So you said you didn't discover musical theater until high school. What was that like for you the first time that you like really started being a part of musical theater? It was kind of like like serendipitous, I'd say. Um, I went to a performing arts high school. I went to Frank Sinatra School of the Arts, which is in Astoria. It's like a, a really, really cool place. And I remember going in for vocal, that was my major, but then there was like a musical theater elective that you could take after school. Um, mm. And the first musical we did was Footloose, which was very fun. I was one of the the trio girls. Um, and the first musical I really discovered was In the Heights. And so I was like 14, Ooh, wow. 15, and I was like, I'm from New York. My family's all like, we're, my family is, I'm first generation. So my family, I am a family of immigrants. We are Caribbean. These, they're talking about food and, 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 you know, things that we eat and drink in our country. And I just felt so like represented by that. And also mm. the music, like I grew up in a very Hispanic neighborhood too. So I was like, that, that's on Broadway. And it just kind of like opened my eyes to how much is possible because I think I only knew like the Lion King. Um, Mm. but you know, I, it was very cool to be like, if that can be on Broadway, then I can be on Broadway, which is just like open the door. That's such a fun story. I mean, it's true. I feel like in the Heights and Lin-Manuel Miranda in general has been able to really open the door for so many people. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. It's, I, I didn't know. I had no idea that, that theater could sound like that. And the people on stage could look like that. I just think again, coming from being like on Disney channel, like I, I, that was what I thought you had to do. It's either like you're a Disney star or you're an opera singer or you're Christina Aguilera or, you know, just, it was very Mm -hmm. um, polar. Um, So it was kind of cool to see this kind of middle ground thing exist where they're rapping and they're singing and they're, it's just, it was really cool. So you dip your toe in musical theater in high school and then what's your next move? Have you decided at that point, man, I want to do this? No, 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 no. (laughs) So I did theater for three years in high school. We did Footloose, we did Little Shop of Horrors, and then we did Rent, um, which was like really building up the catalog. And then it was time to go to college. And I was like, well, that was fun. I'm going to go be a communications major now, you know, because I didn't think that it was a career. I, I didn't know anyone in my neighborhood or anyone in my life that had ever pursued this. Um, and so I was like, well, I'm not, what am I, what am I going to do? Like, why am I going to be the one to try it? That's not going to happen. Um, and my best friend who, her name is Juliana Betancourt and we were in musical theater together from freshman year. She saw me applying to all of these schools for for communications. And she's like, are you dumb? Like (laughs) who apply for musical theater and like get a best friend who's going to call you dumb when you don't apply for the major that you want. For college and so I kind of just took a shot in the dark and I applied to eight schools for musical theater all with like a, a backup plan for communications or, or medicine or something and then I got into six of them and I was like oh okay like we wow we might be on to something here and from there I got into Syracuse which I was really sure I was not going to get into to that school maybe that's the audition story I'll tell um it was the school that I didn't think I was going to get into because I thought my audition was so horrible 
Um, but I did. And so I took that as a sign and I just kept taking the signs that have been thrown at me and just walking into the doors that I'm like, well, all right, if you want me here, sure. You know, that brings up an interesting point. As an artist, it's like you have to just be able to let go and say, the universe is going to take me at its will. So yeah, <laughs> here I am. 100%. Have you found any sort of like tools or techniques that have helped you with that and staying present and just letting things happen for you and not getting too stressed about things? Um, no, I wish, I wish that I did. <laughs> I wish that I did. That would be really I love the honesty. Um, therapy. That's what I do. It's like having someone else on the outside be like, you are overreacting. Yes. And I'm like, okay, fine. You know, like, because I'm, I'm very logical, similar to Hazel. Like I'll think my way out of anything, but I'll also think my way into a spiral. So it's nice to have someone outside of the situation be like, well, you thought you did bad on this audition, but you did get a call back. So I'm just going to help you see the positive in the situation versus me being like, this is what needs to be improved. And this isn't working and this isn't happening coming from always a place of lack and something that's in the mm. negative. It's really helpful to, to reframe the way you think and always look at the positive or, or what is working. And so I think honestly, therapy is a great way to, uh, to stay present and stay in the moment. And I also journal. I'm a big, big fan of journaling. Um, yeah. when I made my Broadway debut, I have a uh, castmate named Arbender Robinson, who's like Broadway veteran, been in a million. I know Arbender. He's the best. He is the absolute best. Oh my gosh. I adore him. I love him. He's so great. And he was the first person that like really made like my Broadway debut super special. And he would just walk up to me in the hallway and be like, Hey, on Broadway or you know he would he would just tell me like make sure that you journal this entire experience because your Broadway debut is one night one show but your Broadway debut is all of this and so I was journaling mm -hmm. throughout the rehearsal process journaling about how I dropped a prop and how I was crying and I was like the show is gonna stop because I dropped something and the show <laughs> never stopped and it was just special he's like you can look back in a year and be like that is what I was worried about and so that's a nice way to 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 encapsulate where I am in the present um, in a way that I can also look back on and be like, wow, you got over it every single time. Every time that you thought the world was ending, it in fact did not. And how did you get there? <laughs> yeah. It in fact did not. And we are still here. Yes, correct. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me a little bit about your Broadway debut. When did that happen for you? You went to college, I'm assuming. And then did you, how soon was that for you in your career? Yeah, it was a month after. So I Oh my god. <laughs> I graduated like May, like let's say 15th or something and I was in rehearsal June 30th. So I remember How? It was it was like the weirdest time and every time I like talk about it I'm like that was pretty crazy, but it doesn't seem that way anymore because it happened to be. But basically we did our last semester in New York for Syracuse. And so it's called the Tepper semester. We spend a whole semester in New York. We take classes at Broadway Dance Center. We do workshops with Telsey and have all of these people from like, you know, um, different casting agencies come and see us and give us feedback and stuff. We see two Broadway shows or off-Broadway shows a week. It's very, very like wow. musical theater immersion. It's, it's amazing. Um, and at the end of it, we do our showcase. And we had our showcase in New York and in Syracuse. And it was around the same time that I like did my showcase on like a Thursday and Book of Mormon was reached out to me and they were like, hi, we can't come to your showcase. Can you just come in for like a general audition? And I was like, oh, for sure. Like I had heard through the grapevine that shows like Hamilton or, or you know, Book of Mormon, they kind of get a feel for who's graduating just to like update their roster. And so right. that's what I thought was happening. Um, and so I went in and I had no idea what 
what, you know, touring company, Broadway, they have a million companies that you could be auditioning for. And they just said, like, can we consider you for all of them? And I said, sure. So I go in and I sing for <laughs> Lake City and I sing, you know, like Hasadiga and all these things. And I have no idea what the show is. I'd never heard, like, I'd never seen it, never listened to the music. And I remember in college people being like, you should sing Salt Lake City. And I was like, okay. And just kind of <laughs> moved on. You got it, dude. You got it, dude. You know, it was one of those things that I was like, sure, I'm sure it is. It's great for me. But I didn't, I didn't know. Um, and so I didn't know what I was auditioning for, which company. I didn't really know the show. I watched it that day to prepare, but I was like, you know, just kind of shooting in the dark. And I was just excited to be in the room. And I, I didn't, you know, have any expectations, which is also super great about staying present. I, I didn't want know what the end goal was. I was just like, this is kind of a cute song. And I like this character. She's, she's fun. She sounds like me. Um, and then I got a callback and then another, and they were like, so what are you, like, what are you doing? Um, uh, next month, what are you doing in June? And I'm like, well, I have a contract at this opera company in, in New York. I'm, I'm doing Oklahoma um, or something like that. And they're like, okay. And I was like, but I can get out of it. Like, <laughs> what do you want me to be doing next month? Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. So I had auditioned for that. And at the same time, I was auditioning for the Donna Summer musical national tour, the Bronx Tale musical national tour. And beautiful carol king all of these were happening at the same time so that's probably why i didn't even like understand what was happening with book of mormon because i had my sights set on donna summer or you know carol right. king i was like these are things that i could actually book like i i think i could nail this um so i was putting all my focus toward that and i ended up getting a bronx tale as jane and i was so excited about that and i wasn't even union yet i was like okay this is a non-union tour i'll do jane this will be amazing for me it'll be my first principal role in a musical um, and then I had to turn it down. Um, I was like, actually, I think I need to hold out to hear from Donna Summer. And I also don't know what's happening with like Book of Mormon. Um, and basically it was like me waiting like for emails on like which would respond first. And Donna Summer being like, hey, we really love you. We're, we're just finalizing things. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I was waiting on that. And then out of nowhere, it was like Book of Mormon was like, boop, actually we want her next month. And so I had to like say no to Bronx Tale, back out of Donna Summer after doing like final callbacks. And it, it was a crazy time. And then like leave my job in Cooperstown, New York to move back home to start rehearsals in two weeks. Oh my God. Yeah. Now that's a story. That's Holy like the abridged version of it, but it was it was kind of insane. That is wild. Yeah. And just to like, you're not even union yet and you're now on Broadway. Correct. It was like the biggest jump what? in plans that I have ever experienced in my life. And that's what I always try to tell people is like being on, like deciding to be on Broadway wasn't actually an easy choice for me. Like for everyone else, I felt like it was like, oh, no brainer, but it, it wasn't what I thought I wanted. I was like, I have a plan. I'm going to work regionally. I'm going to do a national tour or two. I'm going to build my resume and really become somebody that people respect and blah, 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 blah. And then at the ripe age of like 29 and a half, I'll step on that stage, you know, and, and I had, a, and I had a plan and I am a planner. So it was very difficult to have, to jump several steps and to be like, I'm, I'm not ready. I have no idea how to, how to lead a show, let alone lead a show on Broadway. How, how am I supposed to do this? I'm not even union. There's so many things. There were so many jumps in in the process. But um, being on Broadway was the best decision I could have made because 
it opened my eyes to what else was possible because I was kind Mm. of seeing myself going one way and seeing that this is what I was capable of. And I didn't even consider that that would, would be a possibility. And after doing that, I felt like I was like, okay, what else? You know, it really opened my eyes and it was kind of like, my friend um, Kim Exum, who plays Nabalungi, she was like, this is your grad school. Like, you don't need to go back to school. This is grad school. You're here with Broadway veterans. And I was there with a pencil and, and, and pad ready to soak up as much information as possible. And everyone was so willing to teach me that I, I feel like I really know the ins and outs of how to, how to lead a show, how to keep a show open, how to keep a show running, how to be a good castmate, how to be a good swing, how to be a good uh, uh, principal understudy. Like, you know, it was it was the best learning I could have asked for. And I don't think I would have gotten that experience um, in those other opportunities. I would have learned different things, but it was, it was the right, the right choice. I mean, it sounds like the right choice. It also sounds like it was a great thing for you because you are a logical person. You're a planner. You're, you want things to be done a certain way. So it was almost like the universe was like, Hey, let go a little bit. Yeah. You need to stop. Let it happen. Exactly. Exactly. It was, it was like, it was the best lesson in like, you have a plan, but like God and the universe has a better plan for you. You just have to mm-hmm. like be open to trusting that one. Oof, there it is right there. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to take a quick commercial break and then we'll be right back. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. And back to the show. Um, so tell me, you, you do Broadway, you do all this stuff. And then when did you kind of start making your way into the film and television world? Yeah, so I was with the Broadway company from June of 2019 until March of 2020. Um, and that wonder what happened. Um, I just took, I just decided to take a little time off. Um, totally. (laughs) Yeah. Um, it was the funniest thing that I was finally starting to feel like, okay, I've got a real handle on this. I know how to be on Broadway. I've done all of my tracks. I really feel good about this. I've gone on for Nabalungi a lot of times. I really feel like I know how to do this. I'm like good at my job right now shuts down. My whole career is gone. (laughs) Um, And I remember they were telling us like, yeah, it's just going to be two weeks. So like I went on vacation. Oh my God. Right. Isn't that the funniest thing? Everyone was like, it's only going to be a couple weeks. We'll be back. Don't worry about it. We'll be back before the end of the month. 100%. I went on vacation. My friend was like, I'm going home to Miami. I was like, I never been to Miami. And so I like hop on a plane for a couple days and like just go sit on the beach. And, and then I was like, amazing. it seems like a lot is happening. I probably need to go home. Um, but yeah, so the shutdown happened. I went home and just hung out with my mom and made banana bread. Never made banana bread, but apparently that was the time to do it. Um, watched it a million shows. And I remember feeling like, okay, if well, if the theater industry is shut down, I really should get a, a jump on t- TV and film. And so I started auditioning for a, like basically like everything that 
you know, was coming out, which was like slow at the time. But um, a lot of movies and stuff came across my like desk, so to speak, one of them being The Equalizer. And it was at a time where there were like three due in two days. And I was like, oh my God, like, this is so stressful. How am I going to get this done? And I was nannying at the time. So like, imagine trying to record a self-tape when there's like two six-year-olds like trying to come to your room. It was a lot happening. (laughs) Absolutely not. But I remember it like, I remember getting to go home randomly from, because I was like living in their house as a live-in nanny. I remember going home that night, recording it, and then going back to work the next day. Mm. Um, And it was something that I didn't, again, think about super hard because I just needed to get it done compared to the other ones where I like toiled and I was like doing like Sealy for the color purple. And I was like making myself cry a million times and like really, really like possibly overworking on, on that audition versus just seeing what it is, uh, doing what I think and letting it go. Um, and then I found out that I got it and got to work with Queen Latifah as my first TV job. And I was just like, again, what are these, these opportunities are very like, I wouldn't have, you know, guess that this would have happened. Um, so after that, I like got bitten by the bug and I was like, yeah, I want to do this a lot. Um, then I did the good fight. I did, um, that damn Michael Che, which was my first time doing comedy. And he was just on set, mm-hmm. like, try this, say that, and just gave us so much freedom. And we were just like kids pretending to be little jerks in like a school assembly. <laughs> it was the best time. And then, Broadway opened back up in 2021. I was like, great, my job is back. But I also will be honest, and I felt this pressure that I was like, I need to book something else. I just need to book as much as I can because once I go back to Broadway, that's it, you know? Um, Broadway contracts are super strict and you don't get to do a lot of other things, which, you know, is a blessing that you have the security, but also as a person who wants to do it all, all the time, it is a little bit like, oh, well, dang, I I, I, I don't want to miss the boat on this. I'm happy to have my job back, but I wonder what else I could have accomplished. Um, Mm -hmm. So I went back to Broadway and I was very happy to be there. And we got to like rework the show with the creative team. It was like such an incredible experience. Um, Reopened the show. And then I got a bunch of auditions, one being Rise of the Pink Ladies. And that was in about Mm -hmm. November of 2021. And I, again, was like, hmm. Interesting. And never, never heard about it. Didn't think twice about it. Like apparently there was an open call. Never heard about it. Didn't didn't submit for it. Um, and I learned later on that they had already ca- like tried to cast the part that I play, um, but they like did final rounds of it and just didn't feel like it was it was clicking. People had read with other Hazels, and I you know before I had even had the you know sides come my way. Um, mm. So I did the sides and really felt like I like this girl. Like that's the only thing I could say. I was like I like this girl. I, I like want the world for her. I want the best for her. I want her to win. She, she like feels very comfortable to me. Um, and I didn't really overthink it and I submitted them and went to work. Um, (laughs) so it was kind of, it was kind of the best of both worlds to like be able to, to perform every night on Broadway and do this thing that I was missing. And then also kind of dip my toe again and again into theater auditions and, uh, sorry, TV and film auditions that were like stretching me in different ways and asking me to be different people. So before we get into talking all about uh, Rise of the Pink Ladies, because I want to get there, I just want to ask you, so what I've noticed is the theme of when you kind of are just like, whatever, you book it. But I wonder, is there still things that you do to prep for the audition that are are still instilled in you every single time? Oh, 1000%. I was in acting classes the whole pandemic. 
So I've been mm-hmm. in Love Acting Studio, which is, a, a, it was like a small uh, acting company that this woman, Jerry Nicole Love, she's an actor, a, actress out in LA. She's phenomenal. She was kind of discovering the things that she was taking from other classes and finding what worked for her and didn't, and basically like built her own formula of how to break down a script and that basically the whole idea is how do we as actors break down the script the same way that a writer does so like where is the event what do you want when does it change all of those things that are really like formulaic um which is super smart because like you're doing exactly what the writer wants to see because that's the way they wrote it um so I was in acting classes from like the beginning of 2021 up until now. Um, And so we would break down the scripts that I got every time I would get them, I'd say, okay, where is this scene in in terms of the episode is at the beginning of the episode or at the end of the episode? Who are they talking to? What's my relationship to the person that I'm talking to? What do I want from them? What am I like keeping a secret? What's what am I working against all of those like, acting school things that you kind of forget about Mm -hmm. once you graduate. Um, And then also like building who she is. So like, I remember being like, She's a nerd, but she said she's sort of shy. Um, I and the show is called Rise of the Pink Lady. So like I made the choice to like wear like a pink striped overall dress, you know, like something that's going to like mm-hmm. give a little nod or like putting on glasses or like putting a bow in my hair or like having my hair kind of short so that it alludes to like the 1950s. It's always dressing the part always helps, I think. And also just being really clear on who you're talking to, what you want and how are you going to get it is, I think things that have always stuck with me and I think um, makes your audition super clear and also not being afraid to like make justified, but like bold and specific choices because everyone's going to walk mm-hmm. into the scene and start, but like, are you running into the scene? Did you trip? Did you see someone on your way in? Like, those are the things that make things really unique and make you stand out. And um, that has always helped me. I love all of that. So good. Um, okay. So let's talk about Grease Rise of the Pink Ladies. How was it filming this, going back to the 1950s, being a part of such a legacy franchise? I mean, this is this is a wild, wild thing to be a part of. 100%. Um, the whole experience was very, um, like, pinch me to the point that I walked away feeling like, wow, anything can become your reality. And mm. that's just really cool to think about because, again, with Broadway, I would have never thought, you know, that there would be a time that I'd be like, yeah, I got to go do a show. Like, I'm on for Napalungi, whatever. Like, <laughs> that would never just be like a throwaway statement. But like ha- doing it, you know, 12 times, you're like, no, I-, I know how to do this. I'm really excited to do it. And I'm confident in my work. And so I can just kind of like let that be the norm. And the same thing would happen on set where I'd be like, oh my God, I'm shooting my first song. This is insane. And by the end, we were like, yeah, we're shooting the song. And so we're just gonna, you know, uh, this person's (laughs) on set. Like Jennifer Morrison was our director for episode five. And we were like, yeah, Jennifer just texted me and she wants to, we were like, how are we just texting Jennifer Morrison? Um, But it was just kind of like having so many dreams come true all at the same time just made me realize that, you know, anything can become your reality and and to, to never like limit myself in terms of what I think, what I think I'm capable of and what is possible because each week on set was a new, a new stretch of, of, of my character and of Hazel's character. So it was just really exciting because also it was kind of everyone's first big thing, except for a couple people who had, you know, made their way um, in the TV and film world, but you could just feel in the room that everyone really wanted to succeed and everyone was going to do their best to pour everything they had into this experience. And I feel like it shows in every dance number, in every scene, 
that the people who were on set really loved being there and loved each other and, and wanted this thing to really, really succeed. And I, I really feel like that's a special thing to feel. There, there were no there were no divas. There was no drama. It was yeah. just like, we're all so excited to be here and we will give everything we have to make this possible. Oh, I love that. It's so nice to hear about good sets, you yeah. know, because yeah. and I feel like it's getting a lot better recently. Everything that I've heard in the past, you know, year and a half, it's like everyone's been super excited to be on set. And I think it might have actually been caused by the pandemic. Yeah. It made everybody kind of reevaluate things and say, oh, wait, I need to be super grateful to be here. 100%. And I feel like everyone has just been like so happy now yeah literally i i remember especially because we were shooting like through covid and like yes covid had sort of like the height of it had passed but in canada we were like right on a surge and so mm -hmm. it was very stakes 10 all the time to be like every day we're working is could could or could not happen you know we got covid tested every other day to every single day, you know, we were, we were really doing our work. We couldn't really go anywhere or hang out with anyone but each other. And, you know, it was, it was a stressful time, but it also made the work we did so special because when you know what we were up against, you know, every day in terms of COVID, it just makes the product, you know, and the experience so special because I feel like we really bonded. And to your point, we were so grateful to, to be employed and to do something that not only to be employed, but to do something that we were really passionate about every day. Mm. Yeah. Uh, well, on this show, we like to share audition stories. And I know that you shared uh, your one audition story, but is there another one that you would like <laughs> to tell the listeners? Hi, hi, hi. <laughs> I was going to tell my college audition story because the the teacher that I had was very, very hard on me. But, <laughs> hmm, I don't know. Okay. I mean, you could do the college one. I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you one and a half. Okay. So my college audition story <laughs> one was, because the other one's like gross, but it is entertaining. Um, so my college audition story was that I traveled with my mom five hours up to Syracuse, New York from New York to audition for Syracuse, because I didn't know that there was such thing as unifieds or things where the school comes down to you. So I literally mm. went out of my way when there was an audition in New York City to go audition for Syracuse. But it was fine. We got to tour the campus and it was super fun. Um, and I do my audition and I sing uh, Not For The Life Of Me from Thoroughly mm. Modern Millie and What I Did For Love from A Chorus Line. And there was a teacher. His name is Rodney Hudson. He still teaches there today. And <laughs> when I sang What I Did For Love, I like riffed a little. I'm a, I'm a riffer. I like to riff. And... He stops me. He's like, stop. Why are we riffing? And I was like, <laughs> I had no answer. He's like, you're not Beyonce. Don't riff. And I said, okay, no worries. <laughs> and then he goes, and can you, can you stand up straight? Like you, you're on one foot and plant your feet, stand on two feet. And I go, kiss today, you know, and I start again and I do it. And he just sits there like this. <laughs> watching me do it again and he goes all right uh why do you want to come here and i was like honestly because of this audition you know because this was really difficult and you saw something that you didn't like and you gave me the opportunity to fix it instead of just walking out of the room and you know letting that be the decision and so i think that this is a place that i really could grow and i appreciate the opportunity for you letting me give it another shot dang girl 
17. And he was like, all right. And there was another guy in the room that was like, you did well. <laughs> and I walked out and I remember being like, well, I'm not getting in here. And another friend was like, oh, did you have Rodney? Yeah, he hates everyone. Don't take it personally. But then I got in. Wow. That's a good story. Thanks. Also, props to 17-year-old seventeen year old you just like being like, uh, well, actually, I want to go because you just did that to me. Yeah. Yeah. But it was true. Amazing. It was like, I've been to a million auditions where they're just going to be like, no, and, you know, call it a day. But. Right. You know, I mean, it's nice. I That's one of the reasons why I miss being in the room is I want that feedback. 100%. I want the instant feedback. 100%. I want to be able to work on it with you. I want to be able to collaborate. That's the most frustrating thing about self-taping, especially for these TV and film auditions, is like half the time they don't know what they're looking for. And you're like, mm-hmm. well, I could be that. You just have to tell me what you want. But they want to just see a tape and be like, that is, I didn't know it, but that's exactly what I was looking for. Which brings us back to like making bold and specific choices and like being yourself mm-hmm. in the room because sometimes that's exactly what they're looking for. And that's that's what happened with Hazel. They, they didn't know who she was supposed to be because I remember reading her sides and it was like, she's shy, introverted, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then getting the auditions by the time they got to me, because again, they had done rounds of it already. They were like, she's not shy. Like disregard anything about her being shy. And I was like, oh, so what do I do now? And it was, it was specific. It was like, she doesn't want to call, like bring attention to herself. She is shy Mm. in social settings, but she's very opinionated. She's got a lot to say. She just doesn't get asked. And so she doesn't share when she's not asked. And the audition scene was a scene in episode three where she has a debate with, you know, Jane, who's the main character. And in that situation, she's like off to the side and has a lot of opinions about what this girl is saying. And when she's asked to, she kind of like reads her for filth because she had a lot to say. So it was a fine balance of, you know, what does it mean to be shy, but also have a really big voice, but kind of be afraid to use your own voice. And so I'm sure that a million people were like really, really petite and quiet when they did the audition. And that maybe wasn't what they were looking for or went too far in the other direction. So I don't know, you know, just just be you in these auditions. I don't know. It's true. You got to be you. You got to bring that's what makes each character special is bringing a part of you to it. So you just got to embrace that and make sure that you're bringing yourself to each audition. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Well, it's been such a pleasure having you on here. Thanks for having me. This is so fun talking to you. Um, What's next on your on your plan? Miss Planner, what's next? Honestly, not much. And that's the issue is um, to your point about like, what do I do to stay in the moment? I'm kind of trying to just sit in the moment of like, we're in release season. Like I'm just in Mm -hmm. every week for the next, you know, five more weeks. I have something really exciting to look forward to. And I get to watch Hazel progress. I, I, you know, we haven't seen what we filmed. So it's nice to be like episode six, which is coming out this Thursday is a really big episode for Hazel and it's her kind of like stepping into herself. Um, And so like, I haven't seen any of it. Like I haven't seen Mm. any of that material and like, or nor my song. And so like, I will be experiencing that with the world, which is really exciting and really scary. Um, But as for the future, I'm like back in the auditioning room. I'm back in, you know, the, the, the studio, we call it in my self tape, (laughs) my self tape, um, just kind of waiting for the next thing. But until then I'm kind of sitting in the like, wow, I did this really cool thing a year ago and now I get to, you know, celebrate it. 
I love that. You got to take the wins and celebrate them. Yeah. You don't get a lot of them. You got to no. you got to really ruminate at them. But we're hoping for season two. Things are looking hey, good. Hey. So <laughs> everyone watch it and, and tell your friends and tune in. And especially this week, because, you know, Hazel has a, a really cool moment. And, <laughs> and stay tuned to the end. There's a there's a nice little uh, sort of not cliffhanger, but like there's a nice little surprise at the end. Amazing. And where can people follow you on social media to keep up with all that you're doing? 100%. Um, you guys can follow me at simply underscore Chanel. That's my Instagram name. There's always like a dot or a dash or a something. Yeah. Um, but all of my handles are simply Chanel. Twitter, uh, I don't really use Twitter, but Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok are all simply Chanel, some version of that. Um, and I'm mostly on Instagram though. Perfect. Well, it's been a pleasure and I'm so excited to see what you do next. Thank you so much. This is so much fun. Thanks again to Chanel. Make sure to check out Grease Rise of the Pink Ladies on Paramount Plus and tune in next week for another fun-filled episode. And as always, thanks for coming in. Hi, my name is Jenny Owen-Youngs. And I am Kristen Russo. And together we run Buffering, a rewatch adventure a family of podcasts moving through our favorite 90s genre television. If you're a fan of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, well, great news for you. Our very first podcast adventure took us through all seven seasons of the series. We covered it spoiler-free, episode by episode. For those of you who want to start the show for the first time, you can find that podcast pretty easily. It's called Buffering the Vampire Slayer. Inside that podcast, you'll also find an original song that pairs with each glorious episode of Buffy, and original character jingles for so many of our Buffy favorites. Buffering has been praised in places like Time, Esquire, Paste Magazine, and the New York Times, and we've chatted with dozens of cast members, writers, directors, and fans along the way. Come hang out and rewatch some of your favorite television with us and a wonderful community of listeners. Learn more at BufferingCast.com or find us on socials at BufferingCast.